Welcome to the Enterprise Excellence Podcast, where our purpose is to help create a better future. Learn from our world's experts how to improve your organization sustainably. Learn how to achieve and sustain an excellence journey for yourself, others, and the planet. And I'm your host, Brad Jevons, coming to you from Brisbane, Australia. We are proudly brought to you in association with SA Partners, a world-leading business transformation consultancy. SA Partners are a truly purposeful company focused on helping organisations achieve sustainable improvement for themselves, others and the planet. Welcome to episode 97 of the Enterprise Excellence Podcast. It is such a pleasure to have Mr Andy Ulrich with us today, Continuous Improvement and Innovation Lead at Hunter Water. Andy is passionate about the people and culture side of making excellence journeys stick and succeed. Today we'll explore Andy's journey and a tools versus culture approach to excellence. Let's get into the episode. Andy, thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, Brad. Thank you very much for the opportunity. It's great to be here. I appreciate it, mate. Appreciate it. Andy, what's your backstory, mate? Like what what got you involved in this path of continuous improvement and how far back does it go? Well, I guess my early foundations and things I look back on now is is when I was uh, I was born in a, in regional New South Wales and and both sides of the family were on the land so I spent a lot of time on farms and and working on the farms in between school holidays and things like that so it was very clear to me early on and and I was part of you know the team where ingenuity um, making do with less or doing more with less um, having a plan and, and sticking to it and, and the discipline around sometimes the long game, uh, paying benefits. I, I really look back on that and, and see that that's where I, I really got started. And, and when things, you know, come up in front of me now and I, and I can, I can relate to those, you know, the hard work ethics and, uh, you know, doing what you say and, and, and a lot of those things that the, my family instilled in me, um, that's definitely things I take with me now in my in my everyday role regardless of what process or team i'm working with yeah that's neat what what part of regional australia you grew up in mate what oh so i, I was born in armadale and oh, nice. all yeah all my family uh was in walker so uh, wow. so they had a, a five uncles and and four of them had properties and so i used to to mix around a little bit and and go around there and we used to do a lot of things uh, all the fun things like working in the shearing shed and I say that sarcastically but it was you know we did have some good times um, you know digging wild tobacco plants and knotting thistles rock and stick picking yeah. uh, all those sorts of things and and doing that with my cousins you know we certainly got appreciation of uh, again as I said how easy things can be if we actually worked as a team and and didn't try and be the fastest to the other side of the hill or uh, fighting over the, the best rabbit setter or things like that, because it, it usually ended up, we'd have to go back and have another turn. Um, you get sore hands and, and basically we'd leave half the, the weeds in the ground or, you know, we just missed a lot. So that was, uh, that was a lot of fun. And I certainly look back on that now and, and it's a great part of the world. And it's, yeah, it's, it, I've lived in Maitland for most of my life in New South Wales, but it's home. You know, yeah. it, it really is home. So, uh, and oh, it's beautiful country for those overseas. It's got highlands and then low flatlands and rain, all sorts of environments, doesn't it? Down to freezing and very, very cold at times. So, uh, yeah, there was certainly some some cold mornings there. But uh, you know, I, again, it's it's kind of where I've come from. And and one of my favourite sayings is what my pop used to say: "Is uh, there's no point bending your back if you're not going to use your head." Yeah, and I I use that 
the today, you know, and I just see it as so true. So yeah, that was that's Boy, kind of what's helped shape me. You could you could hang a whole excellence journey off of that that statement. <laughs> that's awesome. I think it, too, Andy, if, if um I would be quite a wealthy man if I had a dollar for each um business improvement, continuous improvement, excellence person I met, which had some sort of upbringing in regional Australia. There's yeah. there's a lot, you know, myself included, I come from regional and um, there's a lot okay. of background in that. And I think you're so true with that work ethic. It, it instills in you and the need to think and really adapt. And one that's maybe a little bit out of the box too, when we talk about when I, I first started work and, and where I look back to now is I actually, uh, my kudos to my maths teacher who halfway through year 11 said to me, Andy, we've got to get you to meet with a career advisor. Uh, you're not being disruptive or whatever, but he just said that. I need to find you something more meaningful to do. So that led me down a path to get a, an electrical apprenticeship with a, with a small company. And we used to do basic electrical and also refrigeration, air conditioning, but we did appliances. So washing machines, clothes, dryers, uh, refrigerators. And I can tell you now, going into people's homes and most times being watched like a hawk because once again, the, the dodgy washing machine repair person was on a current affair or the investigators way back. Yeah. Um, sometimes you're on the back foot and uh, you had to earn that trust and you would absolutely have to make sure that you only did what you needed to do uh, with what the customer, the quality they expected at a fair price, uh, no more, no less. And, uh, you know, when people talk to me now and they say things like voice of the customer i i immediately snap back to standing in that laundry with that new mum you know the anticipation uh you could have cut the air with a knife and that wasn't just from hoping that i'd repaired it and she was back in action but also the the smell from the nappies in the bucket sitting next to the washing yeah. machine and and that's definitely you're in their space and yeah I, I i look back fondly now and go yeah well that's doesn't get much more uh laser focused on voice of the customer than that so that's another piece that i didn't see at the time but i look back now and go yeah that's that's definitely core and, and still rings true yeah the, the career um parts of our life that shape who we are yeah that's that's mega Andy, what brought you into starting to get involved in continuous improvement in businesses and stuff like that i was very lucky that i worked for certain organizations that had certain programs established their, their way of working and that that provided things around education but also tools and and structure around how meetings or problem solving and things like that were conducted um, some I look back on now and go oh that was that was that was okay uh, however I was really lucky to work for for a particular company that really walked the walk and shouted it from the rooftops and had a I was a global lean program and a fantastic uh, facilitator who, you know, not only did he see something in me, but like, you know, very fortunate that my leaders also did. And they gave me the time and the space to, to be not only be trained in and gain the certification in that program, but take that next step and actually become one of their trainer facilitators because they needed a, an ANZ uh, team. So this person from the U S Wes is his name. G'day Wes. Uh, he obviously he's, but one person. Um, so that was great to get that. And it was the, what I call the real lean. It was, was the tools were very basic. Um, the, it was all around the culture and the, the standardized and stabilized and not getting too far ahead, but also we need to stretch and, but we're going to do this together and make it visible. So I, 
I really found like, coming from an electrician background and, and refrigeration, I had a lot to do with processes and, and you know, following diagrams or things like that. But I guess where the, the real disconnect had to come from me was is traditionally something would go bang. I would have to go in there and fix, get it going, and then we'll kind of work out what we do later, depending on the industry, whether that was mining or aluminium or whatever. Whereas it takes, it took me a little while to go, okay, well, hang on, when we're approaching process improvement or problem solving is let's not just dive in there, um, you know, when the times are presenting themselves, how do we step back and take that high level? And that's some, took some really good coaching and I still need some reminders on that. Um, but just lucky that I've managed to step out and, and put my hand up to do these sorts of roles. Some people are happy doing their day-to-day and, and good on them we, we, and they, they're great at it. But I just really felt that this was something more and especially with the people side of things and how good that feels when you fix or you improve whatever it is that everybody's, you know, we do it well. We actually feel really good and, and you get a real kick out of that. So that's yeah. how I, I decided to point it and go for it. Boy, Andy, you ended up in a good, good company to start with, mate. When you talk real lean, you know, a company that's focused on really stable process to start with and then yeah. root cause and then involve people. And then I guess scientific thinking from there like that is good. Not the whole complexity of a million different tools and techniques. It's like oh, the foundation of it. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah. And, and, and there's a time and a place for things like that. I'll, I'll put my hand up and say that I am certainly not a mini tab wizard. Uh, you know, there's some people who really enjoy that side of it, but then I'd, I'd recognize uh, and where I would fall down in the mini tab space, they would fall down with the team engagement or actually going out and working with the multidisciplinary teams, whether that be exec or, or frontline uh, employees to try and, you know, translate what, get that information from the floor to put into those systems. So I, I really find that there's many, many hands that need to be part of it, but I am more a, you know, a very visual person, uh, try and keep it as simple as I can. And, and the key thing is, is you've got an army of problem solvers out there. And a lot of the thinking that some people try to do, you may not need to do, you just need to get it out and, and get the right people to see it. And yeah, uh, yeah away you go. So and you had a great example the other the other week. I was I work with uh, I was working with a mining company, and um, they were talking about a root cause that was happening up in the offices. And it was actually the um, GM went for a walk down with one of his leaders and a team member down to where the problem actually happened, and that's where the root cause really was discovered. You know, with the with the front line and involved. And I was like, wow, that's just such a great a great story. And that relates to what you're saying, I'm guessing. Yeah, uh, one of the greatest wins I've ever had was. A systemic problem, uh, new equipment was put in. You know, we're talking millions and millions of dollars uh, on time, on budget. It's got to be, and then we'll work that out later. You know, get it in, get it going, those sorts of things. And I, I sort of came into it, and I was asked to get involved and, and lead a uh, process improvement initiative with that instead of getting more consultants in, and we'll spend half a million dollars and then tell you what we need to do. Uh, so certainly brought a lot of lean tools, things to the floor, but. The thing that was the, the enabler was I went and presented my approach to a crew and I got absolutely lit up by a, like a Christmas tree by one of the operators there as in, you know, who's the next person that's going to promise all this and, and et cetera, et cetera. And I said to him, well, I'm not promising you anything. All I'm trying to say is this is an approach that's supported, but, you know, I want to maybe take a different approach on this and let's see what you can tell me, you know, 
And anyway, I certainly didn't win him over there and then. And, and when the meeting was finished, he walked out and I actually followed him out. And I think he was thinking I was going to have words with him, you know, and, and he didn't get personal. So I was okay. And that wasn't my first rodeo in that space. But I just said to him, I said, what are you doing tomorrow? And he said, the same thing I do every day. I'll be sitting there doing that. And I went, okay, can I come and sit with you? He's like, what for? And I said, well, I, I know you're cranky, but I say that as passion. And has anyone sat with you before to have a real look at what's going on? And, and that led down a path where then we started to get a, an automation partner that was doing it all remotely. They would have a problem. Yep. Let him know. He'll dial in and he'll tell you what you need to do. And I got him to come out and he's like, Oh, what actually sit there with them. And he said, won't they, they're a bit cranky. And I said, well, this is a path to not being so cranky, but come out was sitting in the machine and he actually had his back to the operator looking away from all the things that were going on because he was on his laptop and the machine started to do the thing that one of the things and he said, see, it's happening. And this person said, oh, yeah, just take your finger off that button. He said, I'm not doing it. He said, I'm not touching it. And he said, oh, have another go. So he did that and it happened again. And, he, and this person sort of laughed and he went, look, if you just took your finger off the button. And this guy said, will you turn around and have a look for yourself with your own eyes what I'm doing? He did. And he tried again. And this particular person said, hang on, do that again. And he did it. And he goes, yeah. I, I, I nearly laughed the door down, but it was, oh, gee, it shouldn't be doing that. And this guy just went, are you serious? Like how? And moving forward, probably half the quick wins and, and leading on to some of the substantial improvements that we managed to get done way under the price of just finding out what we originally were going to do um, came from this guy. And it was all the fact that we, we put the time and effort in to go and sit there with him and that particular improvement when we weren't going to get capital or anything like that, when we actually presented it on one page with all the, you know, the detail and, uh, out of plan capital was approved that afternoon and was a potential income of about $3 million a year uh, to the organization for, yeah, uh, you know, quite, so that, that for the, that I'm sorry if that dragged on a bit, but that is definitely one of the ones that I look back on and having that courage to follow that person out of the room afterwards and, and say, well, instead of, well, I'm not going near him again. Um, it had to start somewhere. And, and I'm really pleased that I did that because I'm very, proud and he's 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 very uh sad to see me go but it, i'm not there anymore but he's uh he definitely rang me and said look you're one that actually you know helped change my mind about you guys because usually it's about lean means less employees are needed and and in a bad way and i said well that's i can't do that so yeah yeah it's neat isn't it i guess it's a a great lead into the topic today that we're talking about which is um a tools approach versus a cultural approach When I was first involved in deploying enterprise excellence, I gained so much from being able to connect with global experts like Chris Butterworth, Alex Tia, and Peter Hines. They shared their knowledge, but they also inspired me to keep moving forward and played a big part in what I'm doing now. We can now offer this same opportunity to many of our listeners. We are currently forming the enterprise excellence community. This community is for people practically deploying an excellence journey within their enterprise. The community allows us to link directly with our world's experts each month to learn and grow for an hour. We already have Jeff Sutherland, Jeff Leiker, Pascal Dennis, Laurent Simon, and Lewis Trigger confirmed for the coming months. 
For the final hour of the gathering, we then link in small groups with our peers to help each other overcome challenges and continue to move forward towards our vision of excellence and goals within our organisation. To get involved or gain more information, reach out via our website, enterpriseexcellencepodcast.com backslash contact. We look forward to talking to you soon and working together with our world's experts and each other to create a better future. And like, Andy, on that, what, what have been your key learnings along the way when you look at a tools approach versus a cultural approach? Um, the thing for me is, and, and frightens me, is there's so many tools and ways, different iterations of said tool, how you can apply them or how people tell you you have to apply them. And you get lost. And if people don't have the basics down as far as the why of what the, the tool is intended to achieve or what its output is expected to be for you, you just get a tool and then, oh, if that doesn't work, we'll just get a different one or we'll change it and then we'll change it for this team. And you just immediately, I'm very, I'm a big believer in, in standards. Even if it's a crappy standard, if everybody's doing it the same way, you can kind of predict a bit more what's going to, what should happen, right? Um, as soon as we start to magnify that out into separate teams, it's so hard to keep control of. So, but the thing is you're not lean or, you know, anything around continuous improvement it really is around the people development and capability, the problem solving to make it, you know, go away forever. Um, not keep having to keep coming in and band-aiding it. And and if we don't realise why that tool was originally uh, created or what its outcome is, we're just filling boxes up with data and it's complicated and no one really understands where it fits. And usually people will go halfway through it and go off, oh, look, just go and fix it or just do what you think. I haven't got time for this. So, Whereas the cultural side of things is they understand and they've had that time to really get that that why embedded and, and truly see where it fits with the organisation. It's not about we'll improve this and then guess what? Uh, potentially some of you are in the torpedo shoot. It's this is to make sure that not only are we successful, but we can provide even more service to customers, which really supports keeping you around or moving you into other spaces to help others. Uh, so... People believe in it. They understand where they fit in the organisation. And then it's like, well, this tool is going to just help me do that particular task. And it's not one size fits all. And we need to make sure that we're aware that, like any tool, it has a purpose and you should be trained in the correct use of that purpose and know your boundaries with it. Uh, Because, say, for example, a, a power saw, if you don't understand what that saw and that blade's meant to do, sooner or later someone's going to get radical with it and the outcome will be quite s- severe. So that's how I see that, you know, culture, it's strategy for breakfast. You've, you've got to have the people, the hearts and minds, and you certainly can't do that by telling them what to do, you know. So. Yeah, that's neat. So you, foundation of quality or standard, root cause, root cause thinking and really being clear with the why you're applying whatever technique you're applying to educate and train and help them, but to help the employee understand the purpose of the tool, yeah. if there is a tool involved rather than the tool itself. But I guess you're saying too, to be able to use it correctly and to get that purposeful outcome. Yeah. And it's, and it's on me too, as well, to, to give them some examples of, yeah, this is particularly one because for example, at a Demaic A3, I refer to it in my discussions as you have, I, when I first was shown these, I had what I called my Pulp Fiction moment. 
I was going through it and I'm going, well, hang on, well, where's that fit in? Can't we just go, shouldn't they just go there? And then, but when you, you kind of, I was kind of forced to, to let it flow and have to stick with, you know, start here and then go there. It all just came together in the finish and went, oh, wow. Okay. Now I totally, totally get it. Um, and that was, that was due to, A, I had a, a really good facilitator who was good at articulating that message, but also I had the opportunity to take it for a walk and, and kind of fail myself and then for them not to give me all the answers, but then go, come back or think about this a bit more. Remember what this section's all about. And yeah, I'm having a really good experience at the moment with someone I'm training up in that space that has been challenging and going, well, look, I already know what we need to do to fix it. But now we're up to the, uh, we've just had an, an analyze phase. And he's going, oh, yeah. He said, I'm just so glad we didn't start fixing things because half of these things we don't even need to do. And I said, hey, get it, mate. Come on. Keep coming with me. And it's great. It's, it's, it's really good. It sounds, Andy, having that, um, that coach and that capability to coach and support people sort of going through more of a learning journey and a coaching journey is critical to the, the cultural outcome that you're talking about. Like you see so many times it's just training, isn't it? It's like training, 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 training what you're describing to me there is more of a learning by doing coaching supporting that sort of i do we do you do type of approach yeah and coaching is very important to me i always you know when say to people look even roger federer has a coach okay like you, you don't just because you're number one at that particular time doesn't mean you don't somebody can't offer additional value to help you improve further and you can get go away you can do it online um and look, some of them are great, disclaimer, but there's a lot of them out there. You can go and do like a three-day black belt online. You get your digital badge and I'm a black belt. And then I've, I've worked with some people in that space over the years and when they've got to put it into practice, uh, it's, it's just so far away from what, would, you know, the, what they really should be doing. And you've got to have someone there that's got your back that can you know, let you go on a bit down the road and then pull you back when they need to but not every situation is the same not every process that I, I look to improve is the same and I'm a huge believer in if people say that this is only for manufacturing I I just really enjoy I get I get a kick out of going and saying well what's this other thing then because I really want to get in and do it there because if I can do it there and prove to you um, and there's so many examples of non-manufacturing where this is absolutely changing the game and it's just as i said putting it in front of people to give them real examples that they can touch and feel and go oh well that's okay i'll i'll give it a chance so i think yeah. the biggest insight for me andy was the amount of it world people that saw that agile is totally different to lean and then also the amount of manufacturing and you know supply chain world that thought that go agile is completely different and something else it's like oh no they come from the same yeah they the got the same base and foundation and you know i guess agile's had its birth in white collar and yes lean leans associated with operations yeah but no it's all connected I, yeah and that's i love the you know the jeff sutherland book i that was my first sort of foray into scrum and when it talked about lean and its foundations it I, it's just like, yeah, well, I mean, when we talk about change management and things like that, we've got some really good programs where I am now around change capability improvements. And I just look at all of the material and go, well, take out change management and put continuous improvement in there. It's, it's respect for people. It's yeah. taking them on the journey. It's, you know, trialing these things. And um, 
and what I like about Scrum too is, and the Agile approach is, you're constantly handing something over. You're not doing two years of digging a hole yeah. and then go, well, actually, we'll just stop. And that that just throws half the the audience away. Then they're going, well, oh, I'll just keep chipping away with these little things because you know, I, I, anything big is is a problem, and we won't even finish it. I don't think because things will change. So you're part of a bigger picture, but you're taking bites out of it. And I. Yeah, I love it. So, uh, yeah, that's it's a good call out. Yeah, certainly. Certainly. That, I guess that's why with the – well, I, I take my draw on enterprise excellence from the likes of Peter Hines and Chris Butterworth and the Shingo Institute, yeah. you know, but I guess it's definitely why I've called this podcast Enterprise Excellence because it, it covers any yeah. enterprise or anything that you could talk about, really, the stuff that we're talking on. Yeah, and, and I I mean, I, I fully embrace lean and I see it for what it is, but I still at times find myself going – I've got this continuous improvement approach. Like it's still in some places because it's been done so wrong and we've just tried to bolt things on that uh, aren't, you know, fit for purpose for what they do. You kind of find yourself having to use a different. So I, I think enterprise excellence, uh, those kinds of phrases is, yeah, enterprise. And and what I say to people that is with the, the Toyotas of the world or the manufacturers and things like that is, well, they have a people and culture department. They have a finance department. They have you know, logistics and supply chain and all those things, just because they're, you know, they're the main thing that everyone, you know, they're, they're there to make a car, they don't just do it there. They do it, it's yeah. all wide and, uh, and yeah, enterprise. Yeah, it's neat. Andy, like we, we've covered um, having that baseline of a, of a standard, getting capability and root cause in, in running improvement cycles and also the coaching capability to be able to really coach and truly help people rather than just the old train and out the door with your certificate type of thing, which is I, I totally agree with. But I want to wind back to that standard piece. Like one thing I see as a real challenge in Australia, and I don't know about worldwide, is being able to get that baseline of we are following a standard and we're not just fighting fires and doing what we want to just all over the place. What have you found works there, mate? Because I, I, I'd pose that that's one of the hardest bits I've seen and I'll just talk from the Australian culture. Yeah, I've, it is. It's that there's that tipping point where if we want to develop a standard or get just to get people up to doing it the same way, there's a, there can be quite a lot of work involved and hearts and minds to change just to get to that point. And they've got to do extra work to, to get to that point at, at, in amongst everything else, all the fires and things like that. And I certainly, um, I don't certainly have all the answers or success stories. It's it's a, the things that have have worked for me is we've just got to find. I always say things like my uh, friend I referred to earlier at the other organisation around seek out the hardheads. So go and find the ones that are just furious with something, and they can kind of help you understand well where the real good starting point is, and all the things that flow up from that would you know you could help out, um, or you know go meet the people where they are and and find the area of, of need. So and then just say look okay well. We can't change this whole process, but this particular piece here, um, let's start here and get people familiar with, we'll just get that cadence and see how that goes, make it visual. So whatever we can do to to help people see not only where it fits, but when they're doing it and we have a system in place that helps us understand when we're not doing it. Um, it's really about making sure that you get not just one person's opinion, uh, the 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 number one operator or the number one person in the office or whatever, you, you make sure that you give people a chance to come together and work out, you know, the outcome is, is we need a standard for this. 
However, we know, and that's okay that you're all doing it differently, but let's, we need to just agree on something and you have my support that if we do it this way and it's not perfect, that's okay because we're coming back and we're going to keep improving and improving. If we don't have that follow-up and that piece where we actually go and have a look at if we are following the new standard, uh, it's just you've just changed something and people will, what's that yeah. thing, within 72 hours they'll start to tear it down. So there's a few... Maybe I, I have not answered that well, Brad. I'm sorry, and it, but it's oh. around you've got to find, meet people where they are and, and what really should we standardise first and uh, we'll just find the old standard and work out why we're not doing that. Uh, there may be a standard there. Why is no one following it? And Yeah. Yeah. I, I really like what you said, mate. Like, and I think, yeah, targeting your effort where there's the biggest pain to the operator, which is going to give you gain for your customer too. And use the standardized work to get that, but then have your PDCA cycle on the standard. Are we actually continuing it? Because like you said, I guess anyone who's ever tried to start running after not running for a long time and get up early, <laughs> when you're trying to do something a bit different, it doesn't just stick straight away, does it? Especially if you don't understand why. Why am I changing? Like I, I everyone's the, the chart says we're green. Why why are you doing this to us? I think I think that we're doing the we're doing well. I, I people think I'm a good person, and all, and it's it's really making clear that. And hopefully, you've got some customer insights there to support that, and say, well, look, it's not just the leader that says, look, oh, I just want to see how far you can take it. You you're showing that you're reaching out to the customers, and or you know, where the greatest needs are to say, well, actually, now they this is important to them, and which should be important to us and how we look. So, I think. And, and pointing out too that there's already standards, if, they, if they're kind of averse to having standards, um, well, point out what standards are currently in place and especially the ones that they enjoy working with and they understand that, oh, yeah, okay, so you just want us to do it like the same, okay, and we'll go from there like we did with that over there. Yeah, and then we'll improve and there's people around to spot you all. We can dial it back if it's uh, a step too far. Yeah, that's cool. And I like how you bring in that standard but then too, the visualization of that standard, you know, I guess that's where maybe, you know, a tool like 5S thinking can help, you know, in, in that to visualize it in the workplace and all that, all that, you know, the visual process maps and whatever suited to actually get the purpose, the outcoming after yeah. for, for the employee. Yeah. Andy, with, with organizations, mate, what have you found over the years stops them taking this approach that you've mentioned, the, the approach of, you know, get a standard, embed and create capability at root cause, coach and develop people, scientific thinking, visualization where you need, but with the purpose of we're serving customers or we're serving some bigger purpose. What what have you found stops organizations taking that path? Leadership and the clarity for, provided to leadership that this is important and this is maybe something that we should potentially change our approach or if you know for example if it's if it's all about the dollar or those sorts of things which don't worry that is important but it's it's around the leaders need to believe as well and when they say they want to deploy something or you know embed something or that they seek out uh, the right resources and people to give them the, the true picture of, of what effort and investment is required that and especially the duration for this. There's some conversations I've had around, we'd love you to come in and deploy lean in 12 months, you know, a 12-month contract. Like, it's just out of the blue. And I'm going, well, as soon as you said that, I've got 
no chance. Uh, I, you know, that multi-year thing, and it's so true. So the leaders, look, they need the skills and capability, and, and it's important, I think, for them if they're going to deploy training systems, processes, that they get schooled up in it as well so they can be relied upon as a not only a, a coaching resource, but they can walk around and, and see whether it's happening or, or not. And it's always good when it's very hard to connect. People on the front line naturally find it hard to connect with what the executive does up there, what you know, what do they do up in the boardroom and with all their boardroomy stuff and but if they're engaged in a, in a discussion where they're talking about the same process or doing something a certain way and they know that they know, it's it's powerful. And that's that cultural thing of going, well, it's not just us down here that have to put things back on these silly boards or or whatever. It's like when I go into that leader's office, um, one of the best MDs I've ever worked for, I went over to his facility in Western Australia to meet him and he said, "Radio, first thing is you're going to do a five S audit of my office," and I was like, "Oh, okay." Mm-hmm. Um, and he didn't do the royal clean, and it was he, he would always say, "Well, I can't expect you to do it if I don't do it myself." And yeah, by the same token, we knew he would come over and have a look in our um, corner of the paddock, but he was really good at making sure that he took the time across certain initiatives. That, for example, an idea was raised and implemented and it was you know, something quite insignificant as far as cost and transformation of the business but he walked into the plant and he looked at it and he said where's where's such and such oh he's out there on the forklift okay i'm going to go and talk to him about his idea so we were sharing for him that hey look at that idea that's come in and everybody's happy and rivers of chocolate and all those sorts of things but he would go i'm just going to go and have a talk to this person one on one and i'm going to ask them some pointed questions around is it, do you believe that you were supported well? Is there anything I can do to help? Um, can you show me it? Any challenges in sustaining that I can, you know, we can report back? And so everyone was on notice that this, this person absolutely lived and breathed it. That's the sort of stuff that uh, that's saying what interests my boss fascinates the hell out of me. And yeah, true. they inspect what they expect. All those catchphrases are so true. If you actually get a leader that does that, you get in behind them and you know that you're not just some crazy trying to, yeah, a lot of CI, PI professionals kind of sit in the middle of the organisation and they might have a team of zero and they might report to someone like an ops manager or something like that. You've got no stick whatsoever. Um, it's all about trying to guide and influence, but stroke of a pen can just rub you out sometimes in certain organisations. But when you've got the top of the tree coming in and everyone's clear that this is just how we do it here, but we're not done yet, we're going to improve, Um the game changes. Whereas if you've got, as I said, you guys do that out there, we'll do that in here and don't question me or whatever. You just, it's just not going to work. And it is a real fear based approach then rather than this is about you and helping you guys. Yeah. Too true. So that really, I'm hearing that executive buying and support executive capability so that they understand the journey and then executive capability at leading from the front, getting out and learning and understanding and throwing that constant energy at the journey. And I think they, you know, I really see when we have those closer interactions, they enjoy it. It's like, oh, this is great. You know, going out and having a look. It's, you know, and I've heard the comments going, so this is what you guys get up to out here. And and they apologise sometimes. They go, look, oh, I need to get out here more because this is, that's not what the chart's telling me. Like, you're, how am I letting you get work like this? This isn't fair. And I'm, I'm worried about you. Sometimes it's yeah. like, that's dangerous, guys. But that's on me because I can see that the system is kind of forcing you to work this way. Um, 
yeah, go to Gemba. I think that's and yeah, you've got to walk the walk. Yeah, walk the walk, learn, and then I guess you too. You're describing a leader that's willing to take action and yeah. help things evolve and improve, or coach and develop too, versus a leader that is willing to go out and do a learn and walk, but then do nothing with it. Yeah, or can you put these actions in or find out who yeah, and that's the yeah, who owns that process and, and they've got to fix it. Whereas vulnerable leadership, you know, leading with humility, those sorts of um, values and, and, and ways of thinking, it's so refreshing and I want to work for people who come in and go, okay, you're the CINI lead. First stop, I've got no idea what a lot of that stuff is that you do, but I would like you to teach me along the way because I can't uh, just expect this to go away and happen because there's, there's certain key points where I need to make sure that I'm across what's, what's going on and that we're, we're on track and, and how can I help. So, yeah, I love saying to people that, uh, first of all, here's all the things I don't know about what you do. And at the moment that I'm telling you what to do, though I feel that I'm not doing my job well. It's about getting the improvements and and what you believe are the best things that we could, the how, I guess, to help us deliver the what. Uh, as soon as I start saying, oh, look, you should go and put this in or whatever, I've cro- I feel I've crossed the line um, yeah. in my space. Too true, too true. Andy, what, what motivates you now, mate? Like what are you focused on going forward yourself? I'm really keen to see when we talk about the hybrid new ways of working, this new world that we're, we're living in, uh, I really want to see how far we can take it and, and leverage the things that were probably 10 years away that are here now with technology, but also not losing sight of that, that critical human interaction aspect where if it's all about the tools and the tech, as we've discussed, the, the key part around the people on the human side is, is not going to be there. So I'm, where I'm at now, we've, I'm blown away by the systems and tools that we've got now for how we can interact and we're starting to bring people back to the office in these uh, neighbourhood arrangements, which is collaborative workspaces and it's just really cool with they've not only said we're just going to ride COVID out, this is our opportunity to change the game and, yeah, it's for me, I love working for an organisation that gives me that flexibility to do some time here but also at home if I need to. Um, predominantly I like to not do this job from the desk but there's days where you've got to do that deep work and and they are really um there's been a lot of engagement around okay if you were to work in this space what do you need from us technology or systems or just so they don't go and go right everybody you're working in that office now and or you got to work in that workshop now and off you go there's a lot of engagement and consultation with obviously the safety aspect is front of mind as well the other thing is uh i'm currently um embarking on a, a CI and innovation maturity assessment. It's very critical to me. I have a strategy, right, but I really want to, for myself, but also for leadership, where are we right now? Where are we? And, and by the numbers, not by the statements or the feel yeah. or the vibe. It's, okay, look, it's not going to be a perfect measure, but here's a, and in, we can benchmark ourselves against certain things. This is what it looks like, and here's some examples of what that particular score looks like in the business and what this one looks like. For us to be comfortable then to say, well, if we're going to go from a two to a four, we, we understand that that's, wow, that's a four and we're clear on what we need to do and resource and those sorts of things because I don't want to take it too hard and I certainly don't want to drag the chain if I can avoid it. So I'm really keen to, and we're currently working through that process now and, and that's, that's quite exciting talking to a lot of different people up, down, awesome. sideways. 
And one thing that's on my mantle for this year is to um, get together a an org wide CI platform around ideation um, resources and things like that. So that to to sort of break down a lot of those silos where people are doing their own, they're doing some amazing work and improvements, but it's not visible. And sometimes we might have three people trying to do the same thing. So leveraging, as I said, that the new ways of working, but also getting these core uh, fundamental things in the organisation to help us see and, and and plan for the future. That's that's my uh, that's my focus. Yeah. That's awesome. You're, you're building the PDCA cycle for your yeah. excellence journey. That's yeah. cool. That's yeah. really cool. Andy, with um, the path forward, mate. In this episode, we've covered. What would be your two minute enterprise excellence tip for listeners in your area of expertise? The key things I'd say, and I've touched on them, is to stay humble reflect often and take the people with you. Uh, We have so much to learn from each other. And, you know, we must be engaged with each other to see where the opportunities lie and and we can really seek out the the systems and solutions as a team. Now, I know that kind of sounds like, you know, might sound a little bit too much mayonnaise on top of it, but I honestly believe that if we are going to get it right, it's going to take time. It's a marathon, not a sprint, but there's things we can do right now. And having engaged teams, some good support system structure and some visibility over not only where you are, but where you want to go and where people fit in, that helps declutter a lot of the noise, I guess. It stops us from, from getting involved and doing that extra bit of work to take that take it over that, that tipping point to then go, okay, well, now like I've got more time or this person's actually coming to help me now or we're working on this together. So... Yeah, that, that would be my tip is is to, to follow those processes and certainly can't say I've done it every day, everywhere, but I'll, that's that's where I'm going and, and hopefully nice. it works for me too. It's really cool, mate. Really cool. Andy, what's been a recent insight for you, mate? What's been a recent learning, something that you didn't know before? Uh, I guess I'd summarise that with the earth is flat. Uh, <laughs> I'm just amazed at how connected we can be to each other with as a discussed with the technology and information and, and where we can take ourselves to, to look at things. But I found myself at times getting excited and, and tripped up in, as I spoke about that human side of things. I, I certainly went down the path and was really found myself in there and turned around and I was kind of standing there on my own. And it was just, I was in another dimension uh, compared to where other people were and where we should have been. So for me, it's, it's, it's exciting times and, we could, we've got all the tools and things at our fingertips, I think, that we could ever really need. But it's don't forget about your your teammates and and keep looking back on yourself and go, well, hang on, if I didn't have this three-month journey to this point or the training and skills that I have, would this make sense to me? Um, yeah. And why am I trying to make this decision? Oh, that's not what I'm here to do. Right? That's, yeah. Try not to, uh, yeah, I really found myself and put my hand up and went, yeah, that's, uh, walk it back. Andy, um, you've got, got a bit excited, champ. I've been there before, Andy. Been there before <laughs> I'll too. get there again. I know. I just yeah, get same. you get so passionate, and yeah, you've uh, you got to stop and look back every now and then. Yeah, too true, <laughs> too true. Well, Andy, mate, I really appreciate everything you've done, mate, and everything you'll continue to do going forward, mate, and helping us create a better future. Mate, how can people reach out to you if they want to connect and learn more? So, I have a LinkedIn profile that I, I use for initial reach out. So uh, it's uh, just search Andy Ulrich on LinkedIn 
and uh, yeah, feel free to drop me a message and and we can connect. Um, yeah, and, and as I said, I'm working at, at Hunter Water, and I'm very very happy to be there. However, the sometimes with the emails and it's a, it's a pretty slick firewall there. So if people are just going to try and find me and ship me an email through there with attachments or whatever, yeah, it's probably not going to be the best. Too, too true. LinkedIn is yeah. a good path, isn't it? Start well, there. Andy, thank you so much, mate. Really appreciate it. Thanks for helping us create a better future, mate. Off Brad, thank you. thank you very much for having me here. Cheers, mate. See ya. Go to enterpriseexcellencepodcast.com backslash downloads to get hold of a leading from the front Gamble Walk sheet that you can use to help your leaders develop skills in this critical area that Andy discussed, being able to go to the front and truly understand. Please like, subscribe and share this podcast to help others gain insights and create a better future. There were two key takeaways for me from this episode. The first was the power of just going to the front to truly understand rather than try to make decisions from the top or based on information that's fed up. You know, Andy really spoke about the techniques he uses in this area to truly get to the depth of the problem and then work with frontline team members to solve problems and overcome challenges. It is an amazing cultural approach, but also an amazing approach of going to where we truly create value and understanding how we can help people to enhance that value for customers and also make things better for themselves. The second key takeaway for me was the power and importance of coaching. How to help people where the work's being done, truly grow capability and develop to progress themselves and also progress the process and improve and make things better for customers, others and the planet. There's such a critical technique, coaching, that I see over and over again in so many organisations as a key area of development now and ongoing. You know, find a coaching model that really works, some coaching training and then develop capabilities at coaching the coaches. You know, developing your leaders to be leaders of leaders and develop coaching capability right throughout the organization. Thanks again for a great episode, Andy. Thanks for all the knowledge and thanks for helping us create a better future. Bye for now.